and Abby sort of, um, as someone is connected with her Jewish roots, um, sort of r- related and connected uh, with the story of uh, Jacob, who uh, knew the story uh, or who knew Yahweh, the God of uh, the Jews, um, the God who they call um, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, but uh, Abby said that uh, there was something about the life of Jacob that resonated with her own life, uh, something of uh, the wayward Jewish child um, that rebelled against uh, family or the system or um, things like that. Someone who wrestled with God, someone who wrestled with the people uh, around them. Uh, Someone, Jacob, who seemed to often be in and out of faith, sometimes really following God and then other times as if uh, he wasn't and he was far from God. Someone whose walk was up and down as they wrestled with and sought to find out who God was. And so in many ways, uh, Abby's been on a similar journey (laughs) A bit of a love-hate relationship with uh, her past, um, her life, uh, her family to a certain extent, her journey, and trying to work out what it all means. Ending up in a foreign land without any family around her. As she comes to encounter God. And she wrestles with him. And she wrestles with others around him as she tries to understand who she is and who this God is that she's encountering. What does it mean to have a relationship with Yahweh, the creator of the universe? And as you will soon hear in her profession of faith, has now placed her faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah that was promised to Jacob and his family. And if any of you have been around Abby for any length of time, you will know and have experienced this wrestle that she has been through. The many, many, many questions she asks in trying to understand how all this works. The laughter (laughs) shows the truth in that. You, You will have also seen the many tears that she has shed as she's wrestled with her life and the ups and downs of that, as she tried to wrestle again with who God is and who she is. The many, many experiences that she's had to have along the way to encounter this God and to experiencing Him in different situations, in different scenarios, of which she will talk a bit about uh, later on. Becoming a Christian for Abby and following Jesus has been a wrestle and a struggle. It's interesting, isn't it? Did you notice Jacob's new name? Jacob's new name is Israel. The Jewish nation becomes known as Israel. Do you you realize what that name means? It means struggles with God. The whole Jewish people... (laughs) You know, it's sort of a picture of what they're going to go through. And it's a picture of the Christian faith. 
It's a summary of the Christian faith, that coming to understand who God is and who we are because of Him and how to have a relationship is a wrestle and a struggle. It's plagued with doubts. It's plagued with dark times. It's plagued with uh, times of great assurance and great joy. But it's this wrestle that we have with God. And so I think it's so apt that we hear Jacob did that in a, a physical way. And as uh, I've said to Abby many ways, uh, many times along her journey of faith, this whole wrestle thing becomes a bit of a paradox. And the, the Christian faith is a paradox that somehow we are to continue to wrestle with God and work out our faith and try and understand who He is and who we are. And yet at the other time, we've actually just got to give up and accept who He is. And just like Jacob and just like many stories in the Bible, somehow we have to hold those two intentions, that we continue to wrestle with God and how this works, and at other times I've just got to give up and accept who He is and realize that He is the victor and that He is who He says He is. And that we come to a position of faith, of believing who He has said He is and believing the promises that He has given us. And sometimes he shows up in our lives with great power and mighty acts of miracles and, uh, and influence from out of this world. And then other times he just chips away in the everyday, revealing himself slowly through conversations or situations or phone calls or texts or um, being part of a Christian community. And he slowly reveals himself in and through us. The story of Jacob is a bit of both. And I think the story of us as Christians, many of us would testify to those being both our realities. Many, of the, many scholars in this bit where you know, uh, Jacob wrestles an angel, they say that this is an angel. And often uh, many scholars call this, uh, say it's the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord appears in the Old Testament a number of times. And many scholars and people believe that this was actually sort of... Um, the pre-incarnation of Jesus. So Jesus sort of, uh, the angel of the Lord was like Jesus coming and interacting with his people before he comes um, later on. And so there, I, I, again, there's this beautiful picture that Jacob sort of wrestles with Jesus and who he is. And same with Abby. Abby in her Jewishness, um, in her Jewish um, history, and has come to have to wrestle with, is Jesus the Messiah? And she has wrestled with that and come to believe it to be true, that Jesus is the Messiah who came and was sent from God to die for me so that I can have the complete forgiveness of my sins, so I can be right with God, I can live with God, I have a new life that goes on for eternity. And she's going to talk a bit about that in her profession of faith. She knows who God is. She knows that the Bible is true. And she wants God and is clinging to him to bless her life, just like Jacob. Holding on, seeking, walking with him, limping at times as she continues to wrestle with how this God works in her life through her doubts, through her fears, through her not uh, fully understanding this. And many of us who are Christians would understand that journey. I've said to many people over the years that doubt is the seedbed of faith. That it's not wrong for Christians to have doubt. It's what you do with those doubts. 
And if those doubts end up pushing you to God and understanding who He is and putting your faith in Him, that's what God calls us to do. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because Jacob has this amazing experience and wrestle with God. But if you read in the next chapter, you think Jacob hasn't changed that much. In the next chapter, he, he meets with Esau and he actually has this conversation with Esau. And then he says, uh, Esau says, oh, come to my place where I'm living. And Jacob says, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then goes the other way. <laughs> and his lying and deceiving in some way still continues. And this is the wrestle of Christians, isn't it? That we, we know that we're saved and we're right and we have this relationship with God, yet we still struggle with the brokenness of sin in our lives. And Abby knows that and will testify to that as well. But yet God's faithfulness is over and above that. And Jacob continues, even in those ups and downs, to align himself to God and the promises that he gives him. That he will be his God. And these promises for him and his children and for those who will believe in him. Jacob's story uh, finishes up at the end of Genesis where he's with Joseph and he blesses his children. And there where he blesses his children, one of his children is Judah. And Judah becomes one of the tribe, uh, 12 tribes of Israel. And from Judah comes Jesus. And he alludes to when he's blessing his son in that last chapter, he says, from the tribe of Judah, a king will come. Someone who will, who will reign forever and victorious. And already there, Jacob's story is woven into the story of the Bible, is that there is a God who loves the world, who is going to save his people and send a savior king. And as the, the Bible unfolds and as Jacob's story um, and uh, the promises to him and his children unfolds, we get to the New Testament where the Jewish people and Jesus comes proclaiming that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has sent me. I am the Messiah and I have come to give you life and life unto the full. And uh, right through the New Testament, people are, are wrestling with that. I think of Stephen's story in Acts chapter 7 as he's being killed for his faith in Jesus. He tells the Jewish people, remember, this is the God of, of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he has sent Jesus. And Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, ex, uh, he, he sort of urges them and pushes them to wrestle with that truth and to explore it for yourself and to put your faith in Jesus so that life will come to you. And as we uh, see the unfolding story of the New Testament, we see God's plan working itself out. And he says, uh, so that whoever believes in me, in believes in God the Father who sent his son, will have life forevermore. And so the promise to Abraham, who was to his children, and uh, the Jewish people, but also to the Gentiles. And now the promise is lived out that anyone can come to God through Jesus. Anyone, either the wayward uh, Jewish child or the most heinous Gentile sinner. Think of the thief on the cross who was nailed next to Jesus, miles away from God and yet still able to put his faith in Jesus and come to a new life in paradise with Jesus. As we think of Easter next week, this story is unfolding as Jesus, as the story of Jesus uh, comes to its fruition. That Jesus 
came to die in our place, to take upon himself the punishment that was due sinners, so that those who put their faith in him would have life, life forevermore. So this Easter, and as you hear uh, Abby and as you witness the rest of this service, I urge you to wrestle with God, to wrestle with Jesus and ask yourself, do you believe this to be true? And what does that mean for my life if it is true? If you're wrestling with this idea, I ask you to continue to wrestle, continue to explore whether um, there is a God out there, continue to explore whether Jesus is who he said he is. And in your wrestle, uh, I, I urge you to open up the Word of God, the Bible, and wrestle with that. I urge you to find other Christians and wrestle with them. I urge you to wrestle with your own thoughts. Um, and I urge you to somehow cling on to Jesus and cling on to God as you go through that journey. And maybe today He's calling you to that place of giving up, of surrendering your life and putting your faith in Him, as Abby is doing and testifying for us today. So it's true, for Jacob, as he encountered God, everything changed for him. Everything changed about his perspective, reality of life himself. And yet, he was still the same. Still the same man. Still the same wrestles. But everything changed as he understood who he was and who God was. And so like Jacob and like Abby, I encourage you to give your life to God. That you might put your faith in Him and know Him to be true and know His love for you. Let's pray. Lord and God, we thank you for this story of Jacob. We thank you that this was part of your plan to save the world. We thank you that it was part of your plan to send Jesus so that we have opportunity to be right with you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you so loved us, that you were willing to die on a cross for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were who you said you were, the Son of the living God, who conquered the grave and rose from death to life, giving us the hope of a resurrection, the hope of a future with you. We thank you that you ascended to heaven and that you have given us your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and work amongst us and help us to know you and ourselves more. Lord, we thank you that you are a loving, gracious, merciful God who continues to reveal himself to people through all generations, of all backgrounds, all races, all creeds, all ages. And Lord, we thank you that you've done that with Abby. And so now as she comes to profess her faith, we pray that you would speak through her and that, your, that her testimony would bring glory to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So that's what we're going to do now. Abby um, has been in our church midst now for a couple of years or a year and a bit or so. Um, and it's with great 
pleasure that we celebrate this. Many of us here and from outside this church here that have gathered as well have been part of Abby's journey. And um, it's great that we get to celebrate that and see the Lord's work in Abby's life uh, that has moved her to faith, moved her to profess her faith, to move her to uh, receive baptism today. And so today we celebrate as friends and as a church family um, and we're going to celebrate Abby's story as she tells it. So Abby, I'm going to ask you to come up. And uh, as many of you know Abby, Abby likes to talk and uh, likes to tell stories. And so uh, the first draft of her profession of faith was 17 pages long, um, <laughs> which was a great read, uh, actually. It was very good. So we've mean, managed to, to track it down. But I, I want to honour Abby uh, for who, it, who she is. So this is going to be a bit of a longer profession of faith than we might be used to. So uh, sit back and relax and enjoy this story as God's uh, revelation um, unfolds through Abby's life. Thanks, Abby. Oh, yeah, you better use a microphone. It's going to help. I'll apologise now for the length. Okay. So unlike many of you, I was not raised going to church or even knowing about Jesus. I was born into a Jewish family, so I guess you could say I was even more blessed as I am one of God's chosen people. I didn't, even, I didn't mind the Jewish bits we did at home celebrating the different festivals, but I really hated going to synagogue. Why do I share all this with you? I say this so you can truly appreciate how much of a miracle it is that I actually step foot inside another place of worship without being forced into it. Like all good teenagers, I rebelled constantly through these years about everything Jewish, especially staying home every Friday night for Shabbat dinner. However, now when I look back at these times, I can appreciate how important these nights were. I look at my teenage Jewish youth club days and compare it to what I see here in Emerge and what I experienced at Beach Misham. I recognise the difference between what I had and how I see young adults grow in life, relationships and faith with church guidance. Without this direction, I ended up in a seven-year-long relationship which essentially was destined to fail. I guess even then God had other plans for me. At 26, I left on my own to travel around the world as a backpacker. In case anyone had missed the really obvious fact, I was born and raised in England. And as, and as such, had no desire to live anywhere else. So how come I'm here living now in Australia? I often ask myself this question. Is this what God had planned for me all along? Having visited Australia as a backpacker, but only seeing a small portion, because it's really large, I decided to see the rest of the country the following year. It was on this trip that I met Pete, who later became my husband. Imagine my parents' surprise when we turned up in London Airport. Hey, check out my Australian souvenir. <laughs> Within six months, Pete asked me to marry him. And a couple, of months later, a couple of months later, Pete dropped a bombshell. He tells me he can't cope with living in England. This became a major turning point in my life. I could say goodbye to Pete and continue living in England, single again, back at Marks and Spencer's and hanging out with friends. Or I, 
could travel, I could move halfway around the world, away from everyone I knew and loved, and um, join in with Pete's family. Since living in England, Pete had developed chronic fatigue syndrome. That left him rather limited energy. So, long story short, I emigrated to Australia, married Pete, and had two wonderful kids. This was by no means easy, though. A husband with CFS and now two young children, it was often a lonely journey with no real community to give me support. This situation took its toll on our struggling relationship, and after four years of marriage, we separated. With kids came playgroups, one of which was a Christian one. This was probably my first introduction to church and people who regularly attended church. My friend Kirsty mentioned the family and friends service coming up, and in true Aussie style, I invited myself along. That's so not an English thing to do. This first visit was lots of fun, compared to my experience of synagogue. The kids had instruments to shake, there were huge cushions and, and chairs to sit on, plus the service was in English rather than Hebrew, which was a real bonus. <laughs> it was held in a secondary school, so it wasn't very churchy and in your face. It was nice to meet with people, it was nice to meet with some friends from playgroup without actually making arrangements. I would have to say, all in all, my first visit to church was a surprising success. I enjoyed going to church each week and hearing the sermon, which was always relevant to what was going on in our daily lives. I found it all very thought-provoking. I enjoyed the music, which was a far cry from the choir at synagogue. I knew I wasn't going to church each week as a way of worshipping God and to get spiritually uplifted, but instead to socialise and have a good old catch-up. However, when I reflect back, I can see God at work in these years. Unfortunately, my kids were rather unsettled at church, so I spoke to my playgroup leader, Sarah, about it. She suggested joining a small group, and we were invited to join hers. It gave us a chance to get to know some other church families on a deeper level. I only joined in the family gatherings initially, but eventually, over time, I joined in the ladies' Bible study too. Michelle was the playgroup leader the following year. She was truly inspirational, and we had many great discussions. Even here, God was still shaping things. She actually gave me my first Bible, which contained the New Testament, the message, and I eagerly began reading it. It opened up a whole new world, reading this, and a whole new set of questions. From my Sunday school days, I knew many of the stories, but on reading in the Bible, I was exposed to how horrific and bloodthirsty many of those stories actually were. It was at this point that Michelle suggested, perhaps I start with the New Testament and then go back to the older stuff. I now know that the Bible is the word of God. As I read more of it, at times, it is like he is talking to me and showing me how to live my life. That year, Michelle ran an Alpha course and encouraged me to come along as a way to find out what Christianity was all about. I'm not sure she was quite ready for the endless questions, though. Once we got to Jesus taking on our sins so we could be perfect in God's eyes, I sort of lost the concept. This is something I now do understand and know, and it's why I stand here today. Glenn would often ask if I understood the concept of sin. This is something I was fully aware of, feeling like I never measured up or was good enough for others or God. It was a love and grace that I really struggled with. Sarah coordinated a week-long holiday program through church. Once again, I got drawn into the spirit of things, working with children, my own included. Being part of something bigger than me to help bring joy to others was a fantastic experience. 
Around this time, though, church fell apart around me. I was totally devastated by what happened. For the next couple of years, I rarely went to church. Our small group slowly diminished as more families left to find new churches. By now, I felt as if my journey of faith had come to a complete halt. Although this was not totally the case, there was still a faint glimmer burning way off in the distance. Sarah and Chris were my shining lights through this difficult period. They picked me up when I was down and comforted me when I was lost. It was them who introduced me to the Scripture Union organisation. They suggested I might like to go to one of their family camps over the summer to Kulamatong. Here I met Naomi and Paul, who also became a significant part of my journey, supporting me and my doubts as a parent. In 2011, we went back to England for my first family Christmas since leaving, and this was totally awesome. Coming back to us with another story, though. The kids headed off to spend a couple of weeks with their dad, so I had gone from being surrounded by loved ones to being all alone, and this really tore at my heartstrings. This, along with a couple of other stressors, sent me spinning into a major bout of depression. It was the first time I had suffered this badly since coming to Australia. Essentially, 2012 was a bit of a blur. By the middle of the following year, though, I was feeling much more like my old self. Sarah and Chris invited me to an SU beach mission at Apollo Bay. I volunteered to go with the kids on team. I was exposed for the first time to what it meant to be living, in a, Christian to be living a Christian life for a week. For me, it seemed really rather bizarre that this was mission work. I was blessed that the directors were happy to have me on team, seeing as I had not yet come to know Jesus fully. But I was always keen to learn more and ask questions. After my first summer on beach mission, I was on a high and had certainly grown spiritually over the time. Spending a week with fellow Christians, fully immersed in what it means to be living out the kingdom of God, certainly has a way of leaving an impact. Once back to reality, though, the feeling faded and I was back to life with very little sign of God in it. A year later, though, I found myself back on beach mission. At an SU training session held in September, I bumped into Naomi at this point, I, I proceeded to have a bit of a meltdown. The tears started and I couldn't stop. You should know what I'm talking about. I've had a few more crying sessions in this church. I felt so out of it. Everyone around me was a Christian and seemed so strong and focused in their faith. And here was I, completely disconnected from God, wanting and trying to join in, but feeling so on the outside. On the way home, I opened up to Chris about how I was feeling and came to realise that I really needed to find a new church. Sarah volunteered to come with me to One Hope Community Church. Sarah and Chris thought this would be a good fit for me. Firstly, it was very local and they knew Glenn from a Yalatar trip. His style of sermons were likely to suit my inquisitive mind. In October 2013, I came here for the first time and I've been coming regularly ever since. I can't say that my first visit was the easiest, seeing as I had major waterworks through most of the service. The following week, I actually came back and fortunately managed to get through the service without crying. I finally could meet people after the service. Everyone was hugely welcoming and it was easy to see that we would be accepted into the church community. The last year and a half, though, have seen a huge growth in my faith and knowledge of the Bible and what it means to really be a Christian. I joined in with a small group, an opportunity for more questions. 
I also started to meet with Glenn on a weekly basis to do the profession of faith study, which usually takes a month or more to go through. Six months later, we completed the study. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> Are you getting the impression I like to ask lots of questions yet? <laughs> However, having completed the study, I still wasn't ready to commit myself to God. I was waiting to feel different, to have a personal relationship with God. Quite honestly, I really wanted a slap in the face you've been hit by a bus moment, something that I couldn't mistake for anything other than God speaking to me directly. What I did get over the course of the year was a number of small occurrences that were too much to put down to pure coincidence. One of the most impressive for me was when I met a total stranger, Janine, in Audi of all places, and we started chatting. Once she found out about my Jewish heritage, she shared that her dad had spent many years evangelising to the Jews in Melbourne. Then it turned out that he also lived in Knoxfield, only a couple of streets away from me. I had to see this encounter as something orchestrated by God. The following week, her dad, Eddie, loaned me a couple of books he thought might be of interest to me. The one called Betrayed had a huge impact on me. It's a true story about a father who sets out to disprove to his newly converted daughter that Jesus was not the Messiah. By the end, he himself comes to realise the truth, as I now have. Many of the emotions the father felt, I completely related to, and it made me realise that I didn't have to turn my back on the fact that I was Jewish to be a Christian. In fact, it actually made me embrace my heritage even more. This final step has been huge and is rather emotional for me, bittersweet as we Jews like to refer to it. As I try and draw closer to knowing Jesus, I'm moving further away from my cherished relationship with my parents. It's like they have this big block about even taking an interest in what I have chosen, and for me this is a totally foreign concept. Up to this point, they have always loved me enough to at least be concerned in what I was involved with so we could have discussions. I feel this decision has put a strain on our current relationship and it is really hard to consciously go against what I know my parents would wish for me. I know that this must be hurting them deeply. I hope and pray that someday they will come to understand my decision and I will leave the rest to God. Over this last year, many of the congregation here have helped me get to this point in my life where I am ready to profess my faith in God and be baptised. I thank him for sending his son Jesus, our Messiah, so that I may be forgiven for all my sins, both past and in the future. It is only through his sacrifice on the cross that a new covenant was made, enabling both Jews and Gentiles to enter his kingdom and go to heaven. In glory to God, I will live my life for him and bring God's kingdom live my life for him and bring God's kingdom to earth by showing how great God's love is. I would really like to especially thank Di and John over there who are my shining lights in this church and inspire me constantly. Glenn for his patience in answering my incessant questions and being a good bloke. <laughs> and Coraline for being so welcoming. For Emily and Rob for hosting all the small groups which I've been grateful to have been part of, but you've also been a great support to me too. Amanda and Amanda for being part of my weekly walking group and doing life with me. And of course, Megan, with your big caring heart who knew just when I needed a pick-me-up call. 
I know it takes time to develop friendships and this is something that can't be rushed. Everyone in this church has been so great <coughs> and I know I could list many who have touched my life and helped me get to this point, but we'd be here till midnight and we don't want that, do we? Thank you all for accepting me for who I am with all my faults and annoying habits. It has given me the courage to learn to accept myself with these faults too and realise that they don't define me and that God really loves and accepts me just the way I am as his daughter. It was Andrew's sermon back in December that has given me the courage to take this leap of faith. He spoke about not putting it off. I've been waiting to feel an overwhelming connection to God and not taking this step because I haven't wanted to feel like a fraud standing up here in front of you all. So here I am, taking that leap, not quite knowing how it all works, but knowing that I believe these things to be true. God already knows what my hopes and prayers are, and I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will work within me to know and feel this deeper connection with God, as many of you describe. I'm learning to pray and trust him more. Until then, I will continue my journey with God and this church and try and live my life for him. God gave her strength. Abby, remember these words of Jesus who says, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And he said, whoever acknowledges me before people, I will also acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. It is God who has worked in your life, and we believe in Christ, he who has begun a good work in you, We'll carry this on to completion. Amen. So as a believer, um, Abby is uh, also going to receive the uh, sacrament of baptism. And so when I talk to Abby about this, uh, normally in this church we're sprinklers, where we sort of sprinkle um, people. We normally do that with children. Um, but Abby had mentioned through some friends that she uh, sort of liked the idea of a full immersion. And for us, the, the way you get baptised is not the issue or anything like that, so we were open to that. A few conversations later, we ended up with our big uh, baptism bath and a uh, conversation with Abby and her kids, and we're going to uh, do a full immersion baptism uh, today. So we're really excited about that. So you're going off the changed, um, kids. So in this church, uh, we believe not only in believer's baptism, i.e. those who confess Christ are baptised to show a sign of that, but we also have a covenantal view of baptism. Uh, so we believe that baptism is part of the sign uh, that um, God has given to believers and their children. And so this morning we're also going to administer um, the sacrament of baptism to uh, Elijah and Siobhan. Uh, we believe just as the children of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were marked uh, with the seal of the covenant at eight days old, uh, that they too, showing that they too were recipients of God's promises to them through the faith of their um, parents, we believe that too today uh, children believers are to be marked with the sign and seal of baptism 
uh, that they too are the recipients of God's promises as children of believers. Just as Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, when he said that these promises are for you and your children and for all who call on the name of the Lord. And maybe that's even you today. (laughs) Maybe you need to think about the whole idea of baptism and receiving that. These promises of God that He will forgive you and He will give you a life to the full and for eternity for all who will call on the Lord. So just like Lydia and the jailer in uh, Acts chapter 16, when they became believers, they and their whole households were baptized. So today... We're going to give the sign of God's covenant promises to Elijah and Siobhan as well. And we recognize that they too one day will have to profess their own faith. When they come to that age of accountability uh, where they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we too hope that they get to do a 17-page profession of faith. No, something like that as well. And we believe that uh, through Abby's faith and testimony, the promises of God are given to Elijah and Siobhan as her children. And so in doing this, we normally ask our parents a, a few of the questions, but Abby has actually addressed them in her profession of faith. She has confessed Jesus as her saviour. She believes the Bible to be true. She believes that the, this church upholds that truth. And so therefore, she wants to be baptised in this church with her family. And she recognizes the, that though even her kids and her are sinful, that God's mercy includes, uh, is included through Jesus to her and her children. And that she too, uh, and she's already begun this, uh, is teaching them to come to a knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. And she seeks to do that um, in this church community. So I'm going to ask um, Elijah and Siobhan and Abby to come up here. And I'm going to ask all our kids, all the kids that are here, so you can get front row seats. You can come down to the front here as well. Okay. Elijah said that he wanted to do a bommy off the stage in here, but we're not going to do it. <laughs> so any kids, that you can come down here. So as I've said already, just keep coming down as I sort of get into this. Sort of push things out of the way and come a bit closer. If you get right up front, you might get a bit splashed as it goes down. Okay. Um, so we've talked a bit, I talked a bit before that normally in our church we sprinkle and we sprinkle babies. Uh, yeah, keep coming down. There's plenty of space in here as well. And when we do baptism, uh, baptism is given to the church It's given to uh, people in the church as a sign of something. It shows us something. So what we're going to experience today is showing us something. So here's the thing. What does this thing look like? Can someone tell me what what does it look like? A bath. I I agree. Someone told me it looked like a coffin, but it's not a coffin. (laughs) It looks like a bath. Okay. What do you do when you get into the bath? Why do you get into the bath? Yep, James. To wash yourself, that's right. And so, baptism is a sign of us being washed. How do we get washed? How does the Bible teach us that we get washed? Yep. Sorry? Oh, the rain. We'll keep that in mind because I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, no, we're going to go there. He said the rain. What's, 
So when I do this with babies, it's sort of sprinkle. What else sprinkles that cleans us? Yep. Water. Yeah, but where's the water come from? Yep. Yeah, I think you said it before. I heard someone say it. No? Yeah? Oh, it's like a rain. But when you go into a shower, I mean, like you sort of get sprinkled, isn't it, like that? And what, is it, what do we do in a shower? Well, we wash and get cleaned. So that's what I want to say. So whether we're going into a bath, this is the way we're going to baptise today, or whether we get sprinkled by like a shower, it's a sign that Jesus, so it's a, this is the way baptism is, it's an outward sign of what happens in our hearts. So like a bath cleans us and a shower cleans us, when we have baptism, it's like Jesus cleans our hearts of our sin so that we can be right with God. So that's what uh, we're seeing today. So when Abby and Elijah and Siobhan get baptised, it's a sign of God's promise to them that through Jesus, they are washed clean. Okay, so Abby, you're going to be up first. So get in. Uh, it's really warm up the top. But <laughs> I did put a heater in. I did promise that I, was, I did say, uh, yeah, sorry, you can mix it around. I did say I was going to put some ice in it, but we haven't done that. So um, let's do this. So I'm going to mix it up. So cross your arms in front of you. Yep. You're going to hold your nose or you're going to go back to say. So Abby, Suzanne Haynes, I baptise you into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to grab a towel? <laughs> I did think, I was thinking of this sign and symbol thing. And you, you know, what, what, what would happen if I held Abby underneath there? She would drown, wouldn't she? She would die. And so another symbol of baptism is that you die to yourself and that you're raised up with God. So this is another, so you, when you ever see baptism, as you remember, you died to the old self and then you're raised to the new self. Here, what did Abby do when she came up out of the water? Did anyone see what she did? What did she do? Yeah. She took a breath, didn't she? She went, <sighs> the Bible often talks about the Holy Spirit as a breath that comes into us. And that's another symbol that we have, that through baptism, there's a sign that the Holy Spirit comes into us as well. Okay, who's next? Siobhan's next, isn't she? Okay, let's go, Siobhan. You're going to go forwards, aren't you? Yeah, okay, so Siobhan's going to go forward. Yep, you can hold your nose. So, Siobhan Layla Haynes, I baptise you into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Very good. There we go. Elijah, you want to get up off the stage? No, that's it. I'm going to cross you. Yep, that's it. Hold your nose. So Elijah, and listen to his middle name, Jacob Ames, we baptise you into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Don't pinch my towel. Just got to drive a... It is a little bit colder down the bottom. <laughs> 
Well done. So what we're going to do, these guys are going to go off and get changed, so you can do that. And we're going to um, sing and celebrate this. So we're going to ask our worship team. You guys can stay up the front if you want, or if you want to go back to your um, families, you can do that. And we're going to sing some songs and celebrate uh, what has happened. So please uh, be upstanding, and we're going to be singing about Jesus coming alive in us. Let's worship Jesus again.
believe that one. Okay. Um, You can take a seat. One of the things um, that um, baptism uh, symbolizes too, um, profession of faith symbolizes, is um, a joining in uh, to the family, uh, to the church family. So it's with great joy uh, this morning that we sort of welcome the Haynes family into the church family as we become a family of families. In many ways, they've been part of the family already, but it's sort of a symbol of um, that happening. So as part of that, um, that we're going to do, we do uh, a church partnership thing. And so we're going to ask uh, Abby uh, to come up and to sign this partnership for you. can come up here. Um, and as we uh, do in this church, we talk about church uh, partnership as opposed to membership in terms of we believe that partnership has a more powerful picture of the two working together, that we as a church have responsibility to Abby and her family and that Abby and her children have responsibility to this church family uh, as well. So uh, we have a a certificate that we're going to get uh, Abby to sign and a a covenant that sort of uh, talks about some of the commitments that we have as ministry partners in this church. And for those of us who are partners here, just to be reminded uh, of these sorts of things that we talk about. Um, that in this church, I will seek to protect the unity of the church by acting in love towards others, by refusing to gossip, by supporting and encouraging. I will share the vision of my church by praying for its growth, by submitting to its leadership, and by supporting its goals. I will serve the ministry and mission of my church by discovering and using my gifts, by being equipped to serve and by developing a servant's heart. And I will support the testimony of my church by participating faithfully, living a godly life and by giving regularly and being a witness to this community. So I'm just going to ask you to sign that if you're over there. Take a seat again. Um, We uh, give that back to Abby later. And we just like to sort of make that official, that there's something that we commit to as this. This is not just all about Abby and her kids, but it's about the church and us as a church family as well. And we have commitments both ways. What we do in this church is a bit of a um, sort of tradition and a, a great way to celebrate baptism and professions of faith is that we have some certificates. So we have a certificate for Sir Siobhan. That one's yours. Yeah, I'll do the right hand of fellowship and congratulate you. Well done. <laughs> and for you as well, Elijah, as you sort of welcome, there's a little profession of faith certificate. I mean, sorry, baptism certificate and profession of faith for you. Um, what we also do is uh, we have our baptism bears, okay? And what we do is when people get baptised here, we ask, uh, we send these around. They're at the moment, they're blank. And we ask that um, during this or at the end of this service that you come and you just write a message of encouragement for uh, Elijah uh, and Siobhan and we've put one for Abby as well, that she gets her own baptism bear. Um, and that you can just write on here words of encouragement that they can uh, read later on. Now... Blue is for who? Elijah, okay. And dark pink, okay, dark pink is for Abby. 
Oh, you know, we're going Abby for dark pink and light pink for Siobhan, okay? So just whoever's first particularly, uh, make sure you just go that way so that you write the right message. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, rather than pass them around, I'm going to leave them on the table here and then after the service, uh, during coffee and lunch, just make sure that you come up here and write some messages on them. They're really powerful things uh, to remind uh, us of who we are as part of this uh, church family. So as we come to wrap up this service, um, we uh, want to remind you that uh, after the service, we've got coffee and tea, and we encourage you to come and stay. Uh, today, also, we're having a lunch. Um, Abby um, uh, wanted to put on a family lunch, and so we, as her church family, um, pretty well her only family here in this uh, country, are putting on a lunch for her. So you're all invited to, uh, and most welcome to stay for lunch. So we'll have some coffee and tea, and then in probably about half an hour or something like that, um, we'll actually set up and we'll have lunch together. So you're all invited to stay for that. Uh, kids, if you want to play out in the courtyards and things like that, you can, but we'd ask that you'd play out in that courtyard. And we just ask for parents um, that you too would just uh, maybe make sure that they're out in that courtyard, not wandering around everywhere, and be out there for some sort of supervision as well. One of the two. Hi. You can. So in about half an hour, so quite quickly. After the service, if you wouldn't mind just where you are, for all the chairs mm -hmm. just to face into the middle aisle and then there are some helpers. We'll just clear some of the middle ones and we'll have all the tables in the middle and all the tables. We'll have all the lunch on it there and you can sit wherever you want. So, we, yeah, we would love if you can stay and, and help celebrate this occasion with Abby. Thank you. Give that. Um, I didn't follow my list on that last bit and I missed something. Um, what we also do in our church is our music ministry team likes to uh, bring a, a blessing of a song uh, to those who are baptised and profess their faith. And so they're going to do that now and they're going to sing. So you can enjoy this uh, as a blessing to Abby and for the whole church. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so this song is, um, is regarding wrestling with God and um, all your doubts and all that and running away from God's presence and... Um, and yet there's the lighthouse, which is Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I just want to offer this song to you, Abby, and to your kids. So, and um, to all of you as well. So we pray that this song will minister to each and every one of you, not just for Abby and her kids. Peace in our troubled sea. Whoa, oh, you are the peace. 
It's a great song. As we close this service, I'd just like to pray a prayer of blessing over the Haynes family. So I'm going to do that. And if you're wherever you are, if you want to raise your hands in this general vicinity, just here, um, as a sign of praying God's blessing over, let's do that together. Father God, we thank you that you are faithful to your promises and that you have called this family into your family today. We thank you for new life. We thank you for Abby's profession of faith. We thank you for the sign and seal of baptism that reminds us of who you are and who we are because of you. So, Lord, we pray your blessing upon this family, that you will keep them in your care, that you will protect them, that you will provide for them, that you will watch over them and guide them, that you will lead them along your paths and guide them in your truths. And we pray this for the glory of your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, there's a, pa- a chapter in uh, John, John chapter, no, it's Luke chapter 15. I call it the, uh, the chapter of the losts. And it talks about the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, 
and the lost son. Um, and at the end of each of those stories, it ends something like this. I tell you, in that day, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous that do not need to repent. Or in the next one, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angel, in the angels of God over the sinner who repents. Today, there is rejoicing in heaven and rejoicing on earth. So please stand up and let us rejoice together in this happy day. So as we finish off uh, this service, let's go out rejoicing and praising God for who He is. Sunday. Just one thing I want to remind anyone, if you would like prayer uh, for anything, um, our prayer team might be over this side or that side. Uh, if you would want prayer for